Hello, everybody. It's my fault we're two minutes late. This is the Win Daily Show. I am Michael Raziel. I got my man Sia Najat with me. I got my man Joel Sherrick with me. And it's a good day to be alive. And I'm going to be upfront and honest with everybody. Um, there is a quadruple overtime game on. I'm going to be watching that on my phone while these dudes talk about golf. I might just take myself out of this at some point. But Sia, how are you doing today, buddy? Dude, I'm I'm good. I am, you know, I'm a little discouraged about college football news. You know, yeah. we'll see what happens with that. But I, I feel very comfortable that the NFL is going to be a thing. And the beauty of all of this, like back and forth with all of these sports, or at least most of them, is one thing we can almost guarantee. And Joel, I know you're just as happy as I am about this. In fact, you're more happy than I am about this is that golf has done everything right. And mm-hmm. it's the perfect sport to carry on in a, in a pandemic. And You know, the cool thing about golf relative to the other sports and literally every other sport is that there's really no off season. I mean, technically, there's there's a portion of the calendar where, you know, there's not a lot going on. But frankly, even when that happens, you have like the Euro Tour or you have those smaller fringe tournaments uh, like PGA tournaments or, you know, when the when the real like pandemic was really hitting us hard. We even had the outlaw tour to do with DFS. So that was like golf. Golf is here like to stay. And if you haven't already gotten into DFS golf, obviously, if you're watching this, you've already gotten into it. But I'm telling you, we are just scratching the surface with the excitement that DFS and just betting matchups outrights can bring. So I'm super excited. That's what I wanted to your your soon to be job. I was listening to Gil Alexander the other day and and he was pretty much saying he had a couple guys on. They're like golf is the one sport that can really grow the most from the actual betting side of this Mm -hmm. because a it's had its limelight. It's been in the sun for a little bit, which is awesome. But also the opportunity that there's all these new and different ways to bet it. As you said, the matchups, you can do the outrights. You can do the first round leader. You could be like, Joel, just play Sunday showdowns and win 20,000, 50,000, whatever amount of money you want to do. So (laughs) it is um, it's interesting man it is a lot of fun to get to watch it and get to to really watch through you guys too because again i grew up i watched the four majors that's essentially it now i'm getting juiced up for the travelers man like i'm getting ready i'm getting excited for the travelers of course everybody knows that is the fifth major of course but you know just getting ready getting excited for these things and just figuring out how we can do it um it has been a lot of fun and joel how are you tonight, buddy? I, I mean, I just told everybody, but you took home another 20K. Shout out to the Wind Daily team over here. How you doing, man? I'm doing great. I can't complain. I'm, I'm a little bummed by the college football news. Um, yeah. You know, obviously a big fan. So, uh, and obviously that's going to trickle down and have an avalanche effect. But going back to what you guys were saying before, you know, golf is, is consistent and it's not going anywhere. And I think it is due to the pandemic and due to the fact that we didn't have anything. Hey, to be honest, I got into golf because of that, right? I wasn't doing this prior to the pandemic. I, that's what got me into it. But you've seen, and as you heard, like a lot of Tiger Woods was talking about how the betting has impacted golf and how there's been a big uptick since that. And, you know, even I've seen that and it's cool outside of even DFS, like betting on golf is a bit of a lottery ticket. Right? Where can you bet a hundred dollars and win 10,000? Like no other, you're not gonna do that on a football game. So yep. um, that a lot of stuff is cool. It's different. And I think I like the fact that it's getting a lot of traction right now. Yeah. And it, so, it, well-deserved traffic, too. I'm sorry, Sia. So uh, a couple of things to point out. So Joel hasn't been into PGA DFS until, like, it sounds like basically three or four months ago, which makes me feel really depressed because I've been doing it for, like, three or four years. And I'm like, listen, my picks are great, but, like, my my bank account, we, you know, I'll tell you what. Michael, you, you should know this. So in in our in our chat, our, our the the Win Daily golf writers, which mm-hmm. you know there's about six of us at this point, and I'll just name a few because I don't want to leave anybody out. But obviously Joel and I, and then Isaiah, 
and uh, Nick sometimes, but of course, Steven, Antonio, and two of my friend Patrick, of course. And we were talking about kind of like jokingly, but not really at all, talking about like Joel and his tax bracket now. You know what I mean? And it's like, <laughs> it's so funny because when you say it in, in, in a comment or like, like in a text group, it's like, oh, you're just joking around. But then when you really think about it, it's like, oh, yeah, that's an yeah. actual thing. Like good news, bad news, but like mostly good news. That's pretty cool. I would, uh, Joel, if you want, you can give me all that money and I'll pay the taxes. How's that sound? <laughs> we'll see how much I lose and then we'll get talk about it. All right. In that case, I mean, I'll take the losses too, man. That's fine. Like I'll write that stuff off. There's nothing wrong with that. Sia is my lawyer, so he'll explain to me how taxes work and all that stuff. So I'm not really too worried about it there, but very excited tonight. Obviously, we're going to be talking a lot. We have the Wyndham Championship. Uh, and this is a setup to the FedEx playoffs, right? Again, I'm still trying to figure this stuff out as we go. So excited to hear what you guys have to say, what you have to think. As we said again, Joel took it down. As I said before, I have this hockey game in front of me. There is five minutes left in quadruple overtime, people. I'm sorry. That's why I was late. I really thought it was going to end. I've never seen five. What is five? Quintuple overtime? I've never seen it. So that's really all the only reason why I'm watching right now. But this will be fun. This will be fantastic. So talk to me. Where is Wyndham? Um, what does it mean as they lead up to the playoffs? See, I guess I'll start with you. Like, what exactly does that mean to most people out there that, again, we just got into DFS golf a couple months ago and we might have won, I don't know, like $250,000 doing it since then? <laughs> My math is about 170 in the big ticket items, but I don't okay. I, I don't know. Joel, okay. you correct okay. me if I'm wrong. I don't know. It's fine. But who's counting, right? Exactly. So, exactly. So uh, to qualify for the FedEx Cup playoffs, you have to be within the, uh, the top 125 in terms of your, your points. So it's interesting because this tournament, there's a lot of people. I mean, honestly, I think it's about half the tournament that are sort of teetering between half the field in this tournament, teetering between like 100 and 140 or, you know, something oh, okay. in, in that range. So there's a lot of people, if we're going to go down like narrative street here, there's a lot of uh, sound effect, please. Oh, boo, boo, boo. Nice. Thank you. So if we're going to go down narrative street, like it's definitely that definitely is factored in. I mean, you can't factor it into everybody because then you'd be selecting like half the field. But there's a lot of really good golfers that are in that 120 range or 92 or 101. And it's like you kind of need to because, by the way, once you get into the top 125, each tournament, it trickles down to a lower number. So it'll be like 75 and then mm -hmm. 50. And, I'm, you know, so. It's really important to, you know, to a lot of these players playing this week to be in that 125. Joel, anything to add to that? Yeah, it, the, the big thing to note on that, and there's a lot of different, like, side stories, right, nuances that you want to track when you're going to put some money on it, right? And that's one of them. It's like, who has some incentive, right? What guys are, this doesn't mean anything to, and what guys are like, if I need to get into a top 30 to to make it into this this next FedEx Cup. So um, that's one, and that's definitely something to look at. And, but listen, some guys who have incentive, crumble right sometimes the pressure gets them they don't play as well so nothing is be all end all that doesn't mean if a guy's playing with incentive that you have to play him it just means there is something extra but that could mean that they play worse because of it so um there is that the other things like in that same route that i like to track are like who's from north carolina right who's from this area that is might be more used to this course so one of the things i look up in the, before i see where the tournament is is like who's from this area like, wh who's a hometown guy that's gonna want to be playing and, and want to win on their home course so there's different small things like that that you probably just want to look into and, and maybe just use that as you're starting to pick guys. Exactly. That is not going to be the end all be all, as you said. But if I'm not mistaken, Northern California guy just took home the PGA Championship. Shout out <laughs> Colin Morikawa, who, if I'm not mistaken, we had an outright on um, and he was heavily 
in all of both of your and Sia's lineups. Uh, was he in your lineup that 120K, Joel? If if there was only some co- podcast that came out on Wednesday night that told everyone he was a Northern California guy and you should play him in hey, your lineup. <laughs> now we know. Now we're coming out on Tuesday night, so there's literally no excuse that nobody will not see this information, which I think is pretty important. So um, one last point about that, just out of curiosity uh, for Sia, I guess you might know a little bit more. How how much can you actually move during one of these tournaments? As you said, some of these guys are at 140 like is 150 is that like you know moving up 25 spots is that ludicrous or is that no fringe positive like like explain that no it's it's absolutely realistic anybody that's near that 125 number like has a shot obviously the the higher up you finish the more points you're going to get every tournament has a different designation in terms of how many points you can get in that tournament depending on what place you finish but yeah almost you know almost everybody near that number is in play to be in the top 125 okay so that's a fun narrative and then joel we'll go back to your narrative um i guess we'll, we'll touch upon it but who are some of those guys that are from this north carolina area out of curiosity there's one guy. There's two guys mainly that I that I've seen that I'm targeting. There's one guy that's really popping off my radar, and it's Harold oh. Barner. Um, if oh, you remember you the, hold HV, on, wait for it. HV three, which reminds <laughs> me of you. You say it, Sia. You deserve it. RG three. How there come you haven't go. contacted us yet? At uh, yeah, RG three Foundation, we Seriously. have so much money to contribute. It's Let's insane. go. Joel's going to contribute. Oh, Jesus. All right. Yeah. Sorry. We got RG three, and we're good. Keep going, Joel. Thanks for that. I don't. You didn't even do that on purpose. So yeah. I really do appreciate Not at it. All. <laughs> go ahead. So Harold Bonner the third. Well, if you remember the first tournament back from quarantine, he came off to a hot start. He had to leave in the first two days. Everyone was talking about this up and coming, even though he's not really up and coming. He's been around, but um, everyone was talking about this up and coming guy, you know, Harold Varner. Um, and then he, he kind of disappeared a little bit. He, he didn't really do much since then. Uh, he has been playing poorly. He, he showed well last week. Um, and this is his hometown. He's, he considers it his hometown. If you look into actuality, he's really about 90 minutes away, but he calls it his hometown. It, it means something to him. So I think uh, there's a little extra motivation for him there. I like that. See, narratives, man. And Joel, correct me if I'm wrong, but thank you, by the way. Uh, Webb Simpson has a home on this course, right? And not only that, but his daughter is named after the tournament. His daughter is well, named a window. Yeah. Holy crap. Yeah, okay. I mean that's the narrative I'm looking for. What? How do we forget about well, that? Well, we didn't we didn't forget about it. that to be honest with you. That's like every podcast this week has like literally uh, led with that narrative. So so it's kind of right. like everybody yeah. kind of knows it. The okay. HB3 thing though, people don't necessarily know that. So And nobody uh, everybody should know that RG3 should be coming on the show for the $9,000 that he was promised. I'm sorry, Joe, it looked like you were going to say something. Well, I was just saying see is right. Everyone's been talking about Web Simpson this week. He has named his daughter. He loves this tournament. He talks about it as one of his favorite tournaments. He's also, I mean, if you don't count Brooks Kepka, who's in is a very confusing form because sometimes he's great and sometimes he's terrible. Um, he's by far probably the best golfer in the field. So if you combine those two things, I'm the, looking at my lineups. I'm going to have a ton of web. I mean, it's hard to get away from them this week. Yeah. And, and honestly, that that's a really good way to break the ice for this range, because yeah. just so you know, I mean, we have all the narratives, but like, how about the results? So in the mm-hmm. last look, I'm looking at the, his last five tournaments here, second, second, third, 72nd, sixth. That's how he's done the last five years. So, I mean, this guy's like a top five machine on this course. And, and frankly, this isn't exactly an elite field. So mm-hmm. he shouldn't have too much trouble cracking that top 10, let alone the top five. I mean, obviously, if you're picking him and he's the second you know, highest priced guy, you want him to win, obviously. But like 
this guy is is really cooking. I mean, obviously his ownership is going to be higher than probably we've ever seen, uh, at least like post restart. It's already from what I'm seeing, and you know, Stephen's article comes out tomorrow with like verifying all these percentages. Mm-hmm. But from what I'm seeing, it's about like 34, 35% already, which is crazy high. But you know, it's kind of one of those things you don't have to have all your lineups with Webb Simpson. But if you don't have some shares of Webb Simpson, I mean, you're kind of giving up some points here. Sounds like well, cash yeah. games, it's a lock. GPPs, it's you got to eat that chalk, right? There's bad chalk, there's good chalk. You might as well eat that chalk. I'm sorry, Joel. The, the other thing to consider to think about, too, when, when think about these golf lineups and guys that are chalk, especially at the top salary, is like like you were saying, see, he doesn't need to win the tournament, right? The only reason him not winning the tournament would hurt you is if one of the other top four salary players wins the tournament, right? He finishes in second or third and a mid-tier guy wins the tournament, you still need him, right? Because if you have the mid-tier guy and him, you're going to win. So... For the most part, you can still get him getting in the top five is is enough for you to win this win big money as long as it's not one of the other top two or three guys that wins the tournament. Yeah. And that makes sense. And let's, I mean, again, the 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 as you said, the the field isn't as strong. Let's let's talk about that 10k and up range. Talked a little bit about Webb. Uh, we got Brooks Simpson. Uh, Brooks Simpson. Whoa, oh, man. All right, <laughs> the most uh, arrogant guy and the most humble guy combined yeah, into yeah, one. Yeah, right. That's All like right, a great TV sitcom. Take it from here. See ya. So so listen, we have five guys that are 10k or above. Um, and Joel, after after I go, I'm just gonna kick it to you like we did last week. I'll tell you what. In my write up. My initial write-up, I just had Webb Simpson here. And then I started to look at the ownership percentages, and I saw Brooks Kepka was only about like around 10%. And frankly, I don't think that's going to go up too much. And then it got me thinking, like, you know, most people think, well, why is Brooks even playing this tournament? You know, he's he only like wants to be in majors and FedEx Cup playoffs are coming and all and all this stuff. Well, he's 92nd in the FedEx Cup stand, FedEx Cup standing. So mm-hmm. That is a pretty low number that he might want to improve upon. And, and I actually think that's why, because I don't really understand why he's playing this week. Joel, maybe you have some more insight. But the fact that he's really low on, on the standings in terms of the rankings, I think he's here for like a very good reason to really like rise in the rankings. And so for a guy that's that good and that was playing really well for three days, by the way. So, you know, recency bias, we see what we, you know, we remember what we last saw. But for three days, he was really on point. So at 10% ownership, I'm certainly going to have some shares of Brooks, but I like Webb the best. The other three guys, personally, I'm not going to be on. That's Patrick Reed, Tommy Fleetwood, Paul Casey. I probably like Patrick Reed the best out of, out of those, personally. But uh, I'm just, I don't hate any of those guys. I just have to take a stand on a couple of these guys, and it's going to be Webb and then Brooks. Joel, what do you got? Joel, what do you got? Yeah, you for a tournament, for GPP, I think that's a great narrative for Brooks because he still is a great, unbelievable golfer. So for getting him at under 10% owned, there's some value there. Um, I think there is something to that other narrative you're saying with, you know, he wants to maybe rise a little bit, 90s a little bit low, there's you know some motivation, but at the end of the day, it's not a major, and we've seen him just, he's mediocre in non-majors, and for that price tag, it's hard to play somebody mediocre. Uh, I don't have too much Brooks, um, but look, that's where you could be the genius when he does come through and he's only 10% owned, and that's where you're catching your money, so I do like it as a contrarian play. Um, like I said already, I'm all over web. I'm going to be playing a lot of them. The other guy in this tier I like a lot is, 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 uh, Reed. Um, Reed's one of those guys that I think is just a top 15 golfer in the world. And, you know, anytime in a field, that's kind of not such a great field. If you get a top 15 guy, right. He almost plays as a top five guy because there's not that many guys at his level or echelon playing. So I, I love Reed as well. I'm going to have a lot of him. It's hard to build lineups with Webb and Reed combined because then you really got to dip low. But here's the caveat. When thinking about DraftKings building lineups, when a field like this where it's pretty top-heavy, the guys that are priced below 6500 is not as big of a difference to the guys at 7000 
as it normally would be, right? Because the guys that are right now are 8,500, 8,800 in a normal field are 7,500, 7,000. So it's just a spread out. So now the guys that are based at 6,000 well, aren't that much of a lower tier than the guys that are 7,000. So I'd rather go a little more top heavy on the guys I really believe in and then take some more shots with the lower tiered guys because it's probably a less of a spread than, than normal in this kind of field. That's really good insight. I like yeah, that. I, I, yeah, I, I, I love that idea uh, yeah. 100%. That's um, awesome. I, I personally will be doing a little bit of that and maybe just a little bit more balance, um, you know, try both out. But it does make sense in this field. I mean, you'll see when we go through the, the the numbers, like we have a little bit in 10, we have a little bit in the nine range, a little bit in the eight. And then it's just like the floodgates open. So in, in that 7K and 6K range. Mm-hmm. So you can absolutely stack three guys that you love. I mean, not necessarily three guys in this top range, but yeah. you know what I'm saying? Two guys maybe in the top range or whatever. And then another guy that drops down a little bit and then just take a chance on some of these, you know, 6,300, 6,500, 7,100 hundred guys because you can fit all that in this week i love it i love it and just as a little update for everybody we are going to quintuple overtime unbelievable uh blue jackets lightning game and uh, i love playoff hockey and i've literally watched every single second of this game i am not lying to you guys when i say that so this has been fantastic uh also we're see is getting chirped right now on twitch i don't know why don't read the comments out loud but man he's getting getting chirped over here dude i don't know who these people are do you know who they are the 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 names i'm not familiar with at all but i wasn't sure but yes he is just getting chirped right now some positive some negative i don't know maybe not negative but definitely no it's all it's all positive it's all positive yeah i love it man i love it this is good stuff once you get haters man that's when we know we did something good listen Um, listen so so we had a lot of people this week in particular and honestly this is probably the joel shrek bump if if i had to guess and it makes sense right we had a lot of people like texting me or or on our um our expert discord chat being like when do you guys come on so it's actually kind of exciting i mean i'm just like just to look behind the curtain a little bit because like any of this banter and I, i encourage the people on discord i was like come you know come in and like ask questions and all that so I'm trying to set, you know, I'd like to set this up for like kind of like a Q&A session where yeah. we're not necessarily doing it real time, but like they're writing the questions. And then after we go through the tiers, Joel and I can kind of just answer some of the questions. So not not some of the allegations, but not, some yeah, of the not, questions. Not, not going to answer any of this stuff. Um, <laughs> one of them, though, could be worse. Uh, but yeah, yeah. yeah, ask some questions. Ask some, some I mean, que- ask. I will moderate. I think that's my job. And I'm not going to lie. I'm mostly going to be watching the hockey game when it comes back on. So just let's let's have a good time here. Um, so, so let's, let's yeah let's, let's go to the 9k down. range yep and i see one uh i see our our boy abraham he's out what happened he is out i don't know what happened he just decided oh, no. to withdraw i mean he's been playing a decent amount lately maybe he just decided i mean he's comfortably within that fedex cup standings maybe okay. he just wasn't feeling it this week um i would i mean i would have definitely rostered him had he been here that's for sure yeah, he's, one of, he he's Come on. one of my guys i know we know uh, in this range, I'll tell you, like, I, I really only have my eye on one guy in particular. I like two guys, but in terms of, like, the lineups I've made already, there's really one guy that I have. And it's a guy that I don't normally like, and it's Justin Rose. I mean, he was so good last week. I had him in a few lineups last week, and I was really hesitant because he had such a long layoff. And, well, not he wasn't Adam Scott layoff, but he had, like, he hadn't been playing too much, and when he had played, it wasn't necessarily that great. Last week, he gained four full strokes on approach. This is definitely an approach course, a second-shot golf course. So he did really great there. The kind of watch out there is he also gained seven strokes putting, which is a ridiculous number. Mm-hmm. So there's the there's the good and bad there. You need to be a good putter on this course in particular. And the problem with the putters is they can kind of regress you know, to the mean a little bit. But plus seven also tells me something that he's like really dialed in too. So there's like kind of good news, bad news there. But – 
let's take the putter out of it, gaining four strokes on approach. I mean, this guy just came back in and, and became the Justin Rose that I remember seeing late a year or two years ago. So mm-hmm. I'm happy to roster him at 9,900. Yeah, I'm sure he'll be a little chalky. The other guy I kind of like, but I, I haven't really rostered. I think he's too chalky personally, is Harris English. I'm off the other two. Harris English and, and Joe, before you go, wasn't Harris English in like the $7,000 range last week or the very low 8K range, right? He's been climbing up the last, you know, few tournaments. But yeah, he's like, it, you know, post restart, this is like a 7,200 guy. And okay. then, you know, he's typical. Joel. I, I attribute that more to the field than I do to, to him form. I think it's a, it's a weaker field. So he's been in good form. I think they just kind of they have to obviously have the salaries yeah. adjusted. Um, I do like him this week. He has been playing well. He's one of those guys, though, that, you know, if you're playing GPP, which that's what you do with golf, or you don't play 50-50 golf. Golf is a GPP game. So, he, I mean, this week I am playing him, so I'm not shining away, but he, he's typically a guy that gets you top 20s, top maybe around 10. Rarely does he get in the top five, which is what you need to win these tournaments, or at least close. Um now, because of the weaker field, maybe that will adjust and that will get him in the top five. And I do like the way he's playing. I like his form. So I like him. I don't love him. I think he's gonna his ownership level is going to be higher than I would like for him. But um, I think he's for this field, he's too good to not have any exposure to. Um, Anybody another guy. Yeah. Yeah. Another guy in this range that I'm targeting. I'm looking at more because of storyline than than actual statistics is Jordan Spieth. Um, and it was just something, you know, as you're, as you're preparing for the week, uh, something I read was a few years ago, he, had, he was playing a horrible round and on Sunday he went on a tear and on that it said, you know, I really found something today. And then he went on to become, you know, the good Jordan speech that we know where he'd win all those tournaments. And then he's disappeared since then. And they're kind of making a parallel to this past Sunday where, he was terrible, and then he get, went on a tear this Sunday. Like, could this trigger him getting on a streak or on a hot run? That's all I'm basing this off of. Not probably a great idea to play a lot of him, but if you want to have a little exposure and a weak field to a guy who's historically a really good golfer, maybe it can't hurt. Um, okay. All right. I like that. I'm, again, I'm here for the narratives, man. This is fun for me, too. So I, I like the way you're reading, you're, you're researching. We appreciate that. So thank you. Um, yeah, maybe I, I, I usually do like three max. Uh, so it doesn't sound like I'm going to play too much Jordan Spieth. But hey, you know, maybe maybe I get frisky. Maybe I get a little crazy on that one. So it doesn't seem like this 9K range. I mean, granted, there's only a few golfers in this range. It doesn't really seem right. like this is one. And if you take Abraham Answer out, uh, our boy Abraham Answer, it doesn't really seem like too, too much is going on there. Um, 8K range looks a little bit bigger. A uh, couple names that we know. Uh, how do you see it? How are, how are you looking at this? The, wow. Ches is that high. Jeez. Yeah. I think it, <laughs> this is starting to get weird, man. Yeah. I, uh, I don't, I don't know what to say. So Brendan Todd's great, great iron player. You know, he doesn't necessarily close on Sunday, but that's okay. He's been very good. I'm not on him this week. Um, let's see. What's his ownership range. It's pretty high. Uh, he, so I, I'm actually avoiding him just just because I like guys that are a little lower, a little bit more sneaky, if you will. Sung Jm for me has just been too erratic the last like four to six weeks. Off of that too, Shane Lowry's been very good. Not on him. The guys I like are Siwoo Kim for one. Now he's made seven cuts in a row, which you know in this price range you're not necessarily looking for just a made cut. But mm-hmm. last week he was 13th. 
And last year, he was fifth here. And in 2016, he won here at the Wyndham. So he definitely is comfortable here, definitely has a track record. And I still feel like he's a name that's a little under the radar, a name that's not really taken very seriously. So I'm not saying you're going to pick up a ton of leverage here. I mean, he's still tracking in double digits, you know, 12, 13%. But I just think he's he's really got good form and he's comfortable on this track. I like him. I'm actually off Sergio this week. I'm normally on him. He's starting to lose strokes on approach, which is, you know, one of his, one of his like, good metrics he's he's also bad with the putter i think he's just in a funk he's got some sort of yips with the putter the other guy i like down here the only other guy in the 8k range that that i'm on already uh that was in my article is ryan moore he's been very good lately he's excellent on approach whether it's short approach long approach and when i say short like i'm talking like 100 to 125 yards uh, 125 to 150 whatever like 150 170 like he really grades out well he was kind of in a kind of a, a slump for a couple of years frankly but he started to come on as of late i think at 8100 you are getting some chalk here but you're getting a really good price on a really good golfer i love it joel what do you got so this range is probably my favorite range. Uh, I'm playing a lot of guys. I'm, there's a lot of guys that I'm going to be quick, so I won't give too much detail, but I'll, I'll tell you the guys in this range that I'm targeting. And the one caveat I'll give is when I looked up this course this week and I started doing my research, what I saw was one of the biggest factors that shows success on this course is driving accuracy. So I started looking up what golfers are the most accurate, and a lot of the guys in this range are popping. So the first uh, is Brandon Todd. So I, I have to disagree with you on this one. See, I like Todd. He's, I think he's underrated. Um, he seems to be in every tournament, right? He has one really low round, and he's really accurate off the tee. So if that's going to be a big advantage on this course, um, I think that's a guy definitely worth targeting. Sungjae Im is a guy who, you know, um, three weeks ago was like in the top five in the FedEx point standings, right? So um, I'm not sure exactly where he stands now. I'm sure it's high. Now, it's also because he plays a lot of tournaments, and he usually just does well. He doesn't get the top 10, but just having success in a lot of tournaments gets you there. Um, but again, in a weaker field, the guy that's you know behind the FedEx Cup standings, it's just a guy you, you probably want to have on your radar. Mm-hmm. Uh, as I keep going down, I really like Kevin Kisner. Kevin Kisner is a guy I've been playing a lot over the last course of the month, and he's been pretty hot. Um, the, the one caveat with Kisner is in DraftKings – He's not a huge birdie guy. He's more consistent. He, he, he avoids bogeys. He'll get you a high score, which will win because as long as you finish in a high position, you get all those bonus points. That's a winning score. But and this is the type of course where you might be maybe want to chase birdies more than you want to just cr- chase a consistent guy. So um, I'm definitely going to have some exposure, maybe not a full slate of it, but I'm definitely going to be open. And then I, I'm 100% on board with Ryan Moore. He's one of my favorite plays this week. He's in really good form. Uh, the course fits his game. Um, it kind of feels like all the stars are aligning on him this week. I'm, I'm definitely going to have a good amount of exposure to him. I love it. I love it. And that, again, that's the research that the insight, what do we need on this course? We need really good driving accuracy. So what do we do? We figure out who has the best driving accuracy. I love, <laughs> love that Joel. And we appreciate the holiday use. So let's go down to the seven K range, which there we go. This is where all the golfers are. All right. This one might take a couple minutes. Talk to me. Uh, talk to me, Sia, who are we liking? I guess, do you want to do like the top half? of the yeah I'll, I'll go through so kind of flip, 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 yeah i'll go through 7500 and, and by the way sung jm i'm looking at the fedex cup standings so he's fifth which is really high like you said joel but what's crazy is who he's ahead of so just just to name a few names that he's ahead of john rom who's 10th brendan todd who feels like he's dominating every other tournament um at least until like sunday afternoon uh roy <laughs> mcelroy he's ahead of daniel berger and patrick reed patrick reed not too much of a surprise but Berger, I know he hasn't played a ton, but I'm still surprised by that as much as he's winning. 
So, I mean, you're right. Sung JM has, has certainly shown it. He just hasn't shown it lately, but that's okay. Mm -hmm. Like Joel told us last week, you kind of have to anticipate the rise. If you're not anticipating and you're just reacting, then you're average and you're not going to win a lot of money in DFS. So I, I get the call. I mean, I, I'm going to have to, just like I did with Scheffler, where I had 0% shares. This was kind of going on on Twitter with uh, Jeff McGrath, who A, is a fan of the show, and B, you and I, mostly you, won a lot of money last week, and he's not even a big DFS player. Anyway, I think it was 7X, his, uh, his entry fee. But the, the point is, is um, he added Scheffler to his lineups and Joel Damon. I added Scheffler to my lineups after our live stream, and, and that helped us both quite a bit. And so see, we're all helping each other make money. I think that's the nice part, too. <laughs> oh, that's sweet. Isn't it? Yeah, Michael, that's really <laughs> if sweet. If only we could give it to RG3. I, uh, the RG3 Foundation, just to be. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Because yeah. RG3 is probably watching and he's like, why, why do I need your money? I have like Adidas contracts and stuff. So, you know, the RG3 Foundation. Thousands of dollars. Thousands of dollars, yes. All right, speaking of thousands, the 7,900 range. Okay, so Dylan Fratelli is at the top of this. So if you guys recall, he was my secret weapon last week. And for those who don't know, the secret weapon is a guy that's sub 5% and is in the 6K range and is not in any of our write-ups, any of the Wind Daily write-ups. I just figure it out. I release it on Discord Wednesday afternoon. And honestly, it's hit pretty much every time. There was one tournament where I had Tyler Duncan. It was, it was the no-cut event. And he didn't do great, but he certainly like did better than what his 6,200 price was. But... Honestly, every other secret, I feel like I'm going to crash and burn this week because every other secret weapon has been like kind of dominant. So I'm actually off of him. I like him. He's fine. But like just the lineups that I've built so far, he's not like, quote, popping. So mm -hmm. the guys that I'm saying like, oh, I think they're fine. That doesn't mean, but I don't have him. Doesn't mean I'm not going to have him. It just means like they didn't stand out to me. So mm -hmm. I do like Fratelli in, in a couple of my lineups, but he's not really standing out to me. The guys who are standing out to me, I'll just get right to it in the 7,700 range. Sebez, um, otherwise known as Christian Bezedenhout. Mm -hmm. uh, he is really good on approach. He's bad off the tee. It's okay if you're bad off the tee. I mean, you obviously, like Joel said, you have to be accurate, but you you can give a little off the tee as, as long as you're great on approach and you have a good putter. Now, a lot of these guys are inconsistent with their putters, but that's okay. You get hot with the putter. As long as you're good on approach, I'm at least going to take a second look at you. Um, Christian is is below 10%, which I like. 7,700, I like that. He's actually one of the first outrights I put in. I think it was like 67 to 1 or 66 to 1. So uh, the next guy I like is Tom Lewis. He's coming off a really bad week. I get it. He was really good. Let's see. The comp course here is WGC FedEx. He, he, he was second uh, FedEx St. Jude. He was second there. So he like he's good on on this sort of course type the bent grass and he's 121 in the fedex standing so if you like that narrative of the you know kind of getting inside or staying inside comfortably inside that 125 line i'm going to go back to tom lewis and then of course joel mentioned harold, harold varner the third i'm definitely going to have shares of him as well but that that sort of rounds out the range from 7900 to 7500 for me what do you got joel yeah so the part I want to the, play the that first, again. So <laughs> the, the first name I want to drop just I don't really have much behind it. He's a good golfer. He's probably a little underpriced. He hasn't been in good form, but he won the tournament last year is Austin. Um a guy who know he can play this course well. He, he won last year. I don't think he's a guy that's that's he's good enough where he's probably not gonna repeat and win the tournament again. But would a top twenty surprise me this week? Not at all. Um, you know, he's comfortable here. So someone that should definitely be on your radar. Um, another guy I really like is Russell Henley. Um, he was a guy I recommended last week during showdown. He's in good form. He's hitting the ball really well. Uh, his form is going to continue. This course fits his strengths. Um, I think it's a good price for him. I think you're, you're getting a good golfer in an affordable range. Um, 
Tom Lewis, I'm back on as well. I think I, I mentioned last week, I, I have a bias to Tom Lewis now, so I'm always going to be out of it. It's hard for me to get away. Um, he didn't play quite as well, but he, he's still like, I wouldn't get away from his form yet. Like, he wasn't great last week, but he wasn't terrible. Um, and, you know, the weeks before, he was great. So I don't, I don't think he's lost it, right? I think he just, you know, he played a tough course in a tough field. And uh, I still think he, there's something there for him to, to come up in a weaker field and, and have a high score. Now, one of my plays of the week, I, I don't normally, like, I play a lot of the DraftKings. I don't normally put too many, like, real bets out. And I love this player so much, I actually put a bet on him to win the whole tournament and a significant chunk of change on it, too. So the guy I love this week, and, and, and before I say his name, I'll say it this way. I love him every week. I play him uh, since my hot streak. He's in my lineups consistently. Um, so maybe that's a little bit to it, too, that I like he's a guy that I'm always playing. But my play of the week is Henrik Norlander. Um, I don't know why he's priced so low. Looking at this field, if I was making the prices, he'd be in the high eights. Um, and right now, I feel like you're getting a huge discount. Um, if you look at his last four starts, uh, he's, he's been 12, 31, 6. And these are good fields. These aren't weak fields. Um, he's a good golfer and I think he's just kind of, he's not a name that everyone recognizes. I think he's getting overlooked. Uh, but he's definitely someone that I'm going to be having. He's probably going to be my second highest exposure after Web Simpson this week. I love it. Well, I have a free $74 bet from DraftKings. So I'm going to let you guys duke it out and see which golfer I put <laughs> it on because I wouldn't mind a 50 to one on a $74 bet. Uh, I hope everyone got that free bet too from DraftKings. Um, sorry if you guys didn't hear about it, but it was pretty sweet. So uh, that is the top half of that 7K range. See, let's go to the bottom half of that 7K range. So good news. It's actually a good segue ultimately because Norlander is in the bottom half. And that, that's oh, it's, it's crazy when you think about that because he's 7,300. And by the way, I mean, I just, just to throw this out there, and I'm not saying you should not be on this guy, but like the industry has sort of recognized this too a little bit because it's hard It's hard to miss this because mm -hmm. 6th at the Memorial, 12th at the Rocket Mortgage. I mean, this guy in really good fields is like really proving himself. I mean, all the metrics check out. He's great on approach. He can he can get hot with the putter, all that stuff. Um, and I'm, I'm guessing, I haven't looked at this, but I'm guessing he's accurate off the tee because I know Joel was looking at that as well. He's 66 to 1, by the way, if you want to put him in an outright. And so a top 10 is going to pay pretty well too, top 20. Um, he stuck what, out when, to me. He's... Go ahead. What would a $74 bet on 66 to 1 be? Ooh, that's a good question. Um, good question. It would be approximately $4,600. Oh, I'm going to be in your lane this week, Joel. I think I, that's where I'm going to be. Sorry, see, I keep, uh, keep on going. <laughs> no, that's okay. And frankly, I don't have a t So Norlando was actually in my write-up. You can go on windailysports.com. My, my quote, initial picks, which is usually the first article that comes out with Windaily. And then there's a series of articles that come out from the other writers, you know, tonight, tomorrow, and, and whatnot. Actually, I should say Patrick's article is the first one to range. And then mm -hmm. usually it's my picks. And then everybody else has some picks too. We're all in Discord, by the way. So if you're listening and you're not part of Windaily, sign up because you get into Discord and we have these discussions that we're having out loud. We type them out in Discord. The difference is instead of 8.30 to 9.30, it's like all day, every day, Tuesday and Wednesday and every uh, night. So FYI. That's completely true. So it is uh, three days free, all access to the site. So you get all of the articles, which are Joel's showdown articles, which he's not at a bachelor party this weekend. I'm actually going to another bachelor party this weekend. Jesus, so party I'm like. Hey, man, it is what it is. You got to do when you have a lot of friends. This is just what you do. Um, so Joel's <laughs> going to be writing up some showdown articles for this week. As we said, Sia already has his out. We're going to have a couple more that are coming out. And no joke, I screenshot it because I thought it was hysterical. At 3 
8.45 a.m. East Coast time. One of our writers, Stephen Sicily Kid, who has this incredible article that comes out on Wednesdays that recaps literally almost pinpoint what the Millie Maker has in projections for, for ownership. 3.45 in the morning, he is sitting there talking to someone about their lineup. And I just thought it was awesome. I had to screenshot it, threw that up there on Twitter at Windaily Sports, which I thought was great. So not kidding, literally all day and all night, especially that Wednesday. That's my favorite. So I, I, I digress here. But oh, yeah, uh, three days, windailysports.com backslash learn daily. There we go. And and one other thing before I get to Norlander and just uh, two of the other guys I have in that, that 7,500 and below range. We have articles that are like much different than you think. It's not just like us necessarily giving you picks, although I, admittedly that's sort of what my my article is from each range. But I think it's either Antonio or Patrick. I always get this wrong. They have like very sometimes like very precise articles about GPP, about cash, about you know whether you're in a 20 max or a 3 max or head-to-head. So there's so many different ways you can sort of bet DFS. And we at Wendale are trying to cover all those ways. So if you want to do head-to-head or you want to do a 50-50 or if you want to do a, a millimaker maker or you want to do a 20 max or a 3 max, like we have certain lineups catered. Now, granted, we can do that in Discord too, but we have, actually have articles that show you kind of where to go with with the players depending on the tournament you're in. All right, so Norlander is Yeah, I want to... I want to comment on that real quick because yeah. for people who are maybe newer to DraftKings, that is really important. Right? You need to know that if you're playing the Millie Maker, that you should play that differently than a 50-50 tournament versus a 100-person tournament. And the way you build your roster is different. right? And so even the way you research should be different. If you're going to play the Millie Maker, you don't want to play all the guys that everyone else is playing because it's going to be impossible to win that way. Uh, so knowing how to play each of these different tournaments is another part of how to make money on that yeah, and I think with that. Yeah, and I think a lot of people get caught up in chalk and chalk. And like so when we're talking about the Millie Maker, yeah, it's true. You don't want to have a ton of chalk. You want to have some ownership leverage. But these these like single entry tournaments, like you can have more chalk. You don't have to worry about you don't have to pivot off of every quote chalky guy. And I think there's a misconception in the community. And it's almost like an arrogance that that the DFS players have. And 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 you know, we as you know, experts or whatever you want to call us, where we're like, oh, you're gonna take the chalk. And it's like, no, no, no. There are times and there are tournaments and there are cash games where taking the chalk is just fine. You have to be able to ask the question or the quote expert, you know, has to be able to identify, hey, hey, what what are you playing in? And I ask that on Discord all the time. Like what like this lineup that you just sent me, like what is it for? You know, what is it for? Is it for a cash game? Is it for, you know, the Millie Maker? Because there's it's I wouldn't even call it nuance. It's a major divide in terms of how you attack each uh, sort of tournament. So Anyway, that's um, thanks for bringing that up, Joel. Because it's, I mean, we we bring it up a lot, but we don't bring it up enough. And people need to know that they need to play their lineups differently. The other couple guys I like in this this range, Luke List, great on approach, needs a hot putter like most guys in this range. He's sort of like one of those guys that, you know, a couple of years ago he was kind of a thing, and then he completely dropped off the face of the earth. I think if we're talking about anticipating, I think this is a guy that actually checks out really well. I think you're getting good value at 7,200. His ownership percentage, if we're going to go there, is is not going to be probably not going to be above five six percent right now it's around four percent i like him i think furic is interesting i don't love him i'll have him in a couple lineups the last guy in this range that i that i have already is scott stallings uh he's been very very good on approach lately uh he's one of those guys that can go low any given day i mean you know he can he can disappoint you too i typically have shares of scott stallings in tournaments he's in because i just think he has more upside than a lot of the guys that are in this particular range and that that rounds out the guys i like in this 7k range what do you got, Joel? I, I I agree on the Scott Stallings call. I just think he's a better golfer than he's getting credit for at this salary. Um, so you know, I don't like 
if he was priced right, I don't think I'd play a lot of him, but I just think he's underpriced. And for a guy that's just better than he's getting priced at, feels like you want to have a few shares of him. Um, so an interesting play, a guy you mentioned that I'm torn on is Jim Furyk. Uh, an interesting stat I'll give you is, you know who the most accurate driver on tour is this year? Jim Furyk. Wow. It is. <laughs> so from that statistic on knowing this course favors accurate drivers, uh, it's hard to get away from. But if you look, he doesn't have any, like he barely has top, he doesn't have top 30 finishes. He's, a, I mean, he, he makes a lot of cuts, so he doesn't do poorly, but he doesn't do great. He's just kind of mediocre. Um, this course does seem to suit him. I'll definitely have some exposure to him because of that. Um, cause you never know. I mean, maybe it's on the other side of the coin. You can't just be mediocre forever as eventually you think you'd get one pop. So maybe this is the week. So I do like him this week. Don't love him, but I do like him. I like Sam Burns. Sam Burns is not a very good putter and you definitely need to putt to win a tournament, which is the problem, but he's striking his irons really well. His approaches, uh, are very strong. You got to think one week he'll figure the putting out. Uh, and, and if he does, then he's going to have a really high score. So at this price range, he could be a good guy to target. And the last guy in this, or the two last two guys in this range I want to mention are Carlos Ortiz. So Carlos Ortiz is a guy that's a really good DraftKings guy. Now, he needs to put together a round for him to give you value, but the reason he's a really good DraftKings guy is because he's very volatile. He'll get you a lot of birdies, and he'll get you a lot of bogeys. Um, so like like we saw last week with Joel Dahman, right? Joel Dahman, if Joel Dahman didn't triple bogey Friday night, he would have finished second or third in the tournament. And I'd be a millionaire right now. But he did triple bogey, and I'm not a millionaire, so I'm a little bitter about it. I'm not going to remember. I'm not going to forget that triple bogey. Um, however, my point is uh, chasing guys that get a lot of birdies and bogeys is a good thing because Joel Dahman, you know, he finished way above where he should have last week, but his score was high because of all the birdies. He even had an eagle, and that those scores add up. And Carlos Ortiz is the type of golfer that does that. Um, so if he has a good week and he gets all those extra birdies, that score will really help you boost up the standings, especially in these GPPs. And the last guy in this range to mention is Jonathan Vegas. Um, he's the type of game that really this type of course does well, right? He drives the ball really long and he putts well, right? So if, you know, that's the type of guy to need a lot of birdies, you're going to need a ton of birdies on this course. Uh, he, he tends to, similar to Ortiz, he tends to, Go up and down. He's going to bogey a lot. He's going to hurt you with that. If he can rein it in, keep himself in the tournament, uh, he's a guy that can really compete and help you win some money this week. I like that. I like that. Yeah, I think it was Ryan Palmer um, from this past tournament who had a really high score, but it, it was wacky. He had like six under one day, and it felt like it was six over on another day. And and Jason was mother F and Sia on Thursday night. He's like, Sia, why the hell did you tell me to play this guy? What's going on? And then Saturday morning, Sia's like, uh, yeah, by the way, Ryan Palmer made the cut. Just hope you were paying attention. So that was a lot of fun, Jason, if you're <laughs> let, listening. Let, let, me touch on that. let me touch on that quickly because that is an important part to understand this DraftKings scoring. Ryan Palmer finished, I think, even last week or maybe one over, something like that. It was crazy. Um, he didn't have, like, a great week, right? But he was going way over and way under. So his score was probably the equivalent of guys that were, like, five under or maybe better, right? So that's okay, right? Chase those guys. It's okay. You don't need to be the top five. If you have more birdies, you'll get the higher score, and that's how you win on DraftKings. I love it. And it's true because, yeah, his score was wacky. It was just so weird and wacky. I thought he wasn't going to make the cut. He made the cut the next day, went out and shot six under. And then Sunday, I think he went out and felt like, again, he shot six over. But he had all those birdies, as you said. I think he had a couple. He might have had an eagle and a couple doubles. It was it was ugly. But got me a bunch of points. I won a couple dollars. So can't complain. I'm happy about it. Not, not quite as many as you, Joel. But this week, when I put that free $74 bet 
uh, on, um, I wrote it down, Norlander. Uh, not going to be angry about it. And just, just as an update out over there uh, for everybody, this is probably one of the worst shows I've ever done. But we are about eight minutes into quintuple overtime. So I apologize if everybody wanted to hear my voice more or just hear that I was slightly engaged. No, I, am, I think they're okay. I actually. am not. Yeah, I, I, I thank God Joel's here because if not, I, this Joel would have been <laughs> terrible. But uh, we're down to the 6K range now. Um, Got to scroll a lot. Got to scroll a lot, which means we're getting close to that secret weapon. We're not going to give it to you here. We're not going to give it to you here. Don't worry. You got to hop into the Discord again, windillysports.com backslash learn daily. Three days free for everything. That includes the Discord where Joel and see you hang out. Um, see you. Talk to me a little bit. We're at the 6,900 range. couple dudes here. Uh, a couple names we remember and some guys I have never heard of before. So I'll tell you what. I, I, I'm pretty sure my secret weapon is, is right on the page I'm looking at right now. So I'm just going to pass right over it. Discord tomorrow night or probably tomorrow afternoon. We'll, we'll talk about that with the community. But um, there's like a few guys that I like, okay? And like you might expect, they're they're great second shot golf guys. Great on approach, you know, inconsistent putters, but but have a tendency to get hot with their putter. Maybe have a nice course history. I'm I'm actually really curious about what Joel thinks of some of these guys. And then Joel, you can kind of, you know, add on, you know, the the guys in this range you like. So, and I do have a question about one guy that I don't like, but maybe Joel could convince me because I think he's probably a popular name in this range. I like Bryce Garnett a lot. This is another guy that's that's good on approach. He's been actually like pretty good this season uh, since the restart i should say he's just one of those guys that he, it's not a name that pops for anybody but at 6700 i really like bryce garnett a, as a play chesson hadley i'm not really sure about he typically is good on approach he just really hasn't been that good in the last two months and it's frustrating because he's a guy that i've actually been picking you know kind of in this range and it's funny that he's priced like this because I think just two tournaments ago, three tournaments ago in a much deeper field, I'm pretty sure he was like 6,900 or 7,100. So it kind of shows you the fall from grace. This is a much weaker field and he's priced down. Uh, a couple guys I like uh, really down in that range, Tyler Duncan, he's a cut maker. He's solid. Steven's a big fan of Tyler Duncan. And a guy that I think is pretty sneaky, that's 6,400, who is hilarious off the tee, like awful but really good on approach. And, you know, again, putter is the putter, uh, is Matthew Naismith. Uh, I think actually he's really he's kind of a steal at 6400. Listen, at 6400, it's still the punt range, but Naismith has flashed in the past, and if he doesn't have to be, if he doesn't have to gain a lot of strokes off the tee, I think he's a guy that can make a cut and and do some damage, get you some DraftKings points. And Joel, before we go to you, I want to remind everyone of the point you made before. Some of these guys in this like high six, you know, K range, they would be 7,500 in other tournaments if the field was a little bit deeper and we, you know, saw some more of the household names, I guess. So I think, again, that's a really good point to make when we were saying before, you could take a Webb Simpson and a Brooks Kepke if you want to get crazier, but Webb Simpson and a Patrick Reed, you can come down to this range. It's not as much of a punt. It still obviously is because there's a reason they're down here. But it's not quite as much of a punt. So I just wanted to remind everyone of that, that we said that, you know, like 40 minutes ago at this point. So, yeah, that's a, that's a good point. Um, Thank you. Some of the, I appreciate <laughs> that, man. Look at you. Some of the guys um, in this range that, that I'm really looking at, and, and it's a lot of like, you know, for example, Ryan Armore, if you guys remember, he got real hot a month ago. He had two top 10 finishes. He almost won the not the tournament right before the memorial. I'm not forgetting which one it was, but he was right in it. Um, he's one of the most accurate drivers off the tee. This course fits him. He hasn't been in quite as good form recently, uh, but he's been in good form close enough where I, I feel good about going back to him this week. Um, Troy Merritt's another guy who, again, this is why, I, and I've said this last week, this is why I say if you're going to be putting a lot of dollars or shekels into these tournaments – 
it's a big advantage to be playing every week and seeing what's going on, right? So Merritt's, for an example, is a guy why I say that. Because if you notice with Merritt, he's a guy that is often in like the top 20 early in the tournament. And then maybe he'll have a bad day three and kind of fall out of it. But he's always there. And it's like looking at a guy like that, you know that he's a couple holes away from really competing. Um, and like that's different than guys that are just – constantly shooting 70 right and so that's the type of guy that i'm going to go after because a guy that i know has the capabilities of getting up there so i really like merit this week i think he's a for the, he's a value play at this range um another guy a lot of people are writing about just i'm reading this week is keith mitchell he's a he's in good form um he's a birdie getter so he, he can get after it. he'll go after some eagles he's aggressive which is good is what you need for DraftKings and getting these scores um, someone that, that I would have an eye on. That's one I have a ton of exposure to, but definitely someone I'm fitting into my lineups. Um, and the last name I want to throw out in this kind of high 6,500 range. Um, and this is, a, I laugh when I, when I say this guy's name, because, um, it's kind of like, he seems like he should be a cartoon character. He's just like funny. This is his name and he's pretty good. His name is Seamus power. I'm not sure if you're familiar with him. Oh. He, of course. He, he feels like he's a WWE wrestler. Right? His name is Seamus Power. Like, of course, he kills the ball off the tee. His last name is Power. Like, of course, that's his name. And that, that's what he does. But he's actually pretty good. Um, he's been playing well recently. Um, he's got some some high scores. And he's another one of those guys that I just feel like he should be closer to 7,000. And at this price point, if you want to try and couple up Reed and Simpson, throw him in the mix and he gets you in the top 10 or 15, then you can uh, that can really get you into in the money. I love that. Yeah, Sia had me place a bet on Seamus uh, for the Barracuda a couple weeks ago, if I'm not mistaken, right? Uh, it didn't quite cash, but I think I put legitimately $2 on it at like 55 to 1 or 75 to 1 or something. So one of these days, man, I'm going to get that free $74 bet. Norlander <laughs> is going to be my guy, and I'm going to make $4,600. I'm counting the money already. What do you guys want? I'll buy each presents. Um, that is awesome. The, the one thing I do want to touch upon, Sia, who was the guy that you didn't like so much that you wanted yeah. Joel to convince you? Kyle Stanley, do you have any thoughts there? Because, you know, he's he, he's been so good on approach in the past. And, you know, I checked his last few tournaments. He's not really flashing to me until uh, just recently. I mean, do you have any thought? Is he going to be in any of your lineups? Let's start there. So it's an interesting question. He's definitely going to be in my lineups. Um, the reason that I like him this week is because he's fourth on the tour in driving accuracy. So he's a course fit. And that's the main reason I like him. Um, his form is the way I would categorize it is above average for him, right? He's playing a little bit better than he normally would. So he's, I like playing a guy in good form. He's an accurate driver, which plays well here. And at 6,800, if I can find two positives on a guy that's that cheap, then it's someone that's got to be in my lineup. So for that reason, I like him. I don't love him, right? It's not someone I'm like, you have to play Kyle Stanley. Not like that. But, um, you know, a guy at $1,600 that I could find two positives on, I'm going to have some exposure to. Love it. And Love that it. was the DFS portion. A little bit longer than expected, but I think we had some fun with it. I also didn't really manage it that well. Again, uh, we are about 10 minutes into quadruple overtime. Both of these teams look dead inside, which I am <laughs> loving. It already got to the point, anybody, if you're listening real time, the game that was supposed to start at 6 o'clock today the Hurricanes and Bruins is now at 11 a.m. tomorrow. And Amazing. the Lightning just won. The Lightning Whoa. just won in quintuple overtime. That is incredible. 9.33 left. Jesus, Mary, and Joseph. Oh, man. 
just a little reaction for everybody. The Columbus Blue Jackets honestly look dead inside right now. That is so sad, but so good. So, so, so good. Um, so that is my minute on hockey. I'm back, guys. Do you guys want to do um, another hour? Because I'm totally can, back. Let's go. Can I just say, and, and I, I probably should just let this go, but I just, when that goal happened, the first thing that came to mind to say was hot off the press when you announced, which is like such an archaic yeah. phrase. Like, see the look you just gave me? You've never heard it before. Like, that's what people said in like the 20s. But I was going to say, just, it was like like in the, like Mickey Mouse's Christmas Carol is where I think I might have heard hot off the press the last <laughs> sure. time. Sure. So. so I'm a little disappointed in myself that I didn't have like a better catchphrase to say. You're I good. think I'll be You're doing good. any. Let's like, talk about you know? RG3 some more. Then, then we'll, we'll be fine. We'll so be fine. while Joel is still with us, because I, yes. I, I do want to go over, um, I do want to go over outrights in first round leaders and just see if, if, if any of these, he's like, oh yeah, I like that. So, I, I picked like a handful of first round leaders, so I'm going to shorten the winner list. So I'm only going to have two outright winners to give you. And you you know, I usually bet mid round anyway on the winners in terms of live bets, which is why I won money on Morikawa this week. So two first two two winners. Let's just start there. I'm going to take Henrik Norlander because Joel is taking him. He's 66 <laughs> to one. And I'm going to take Luke List at 100 to one. And I'm going to add, I got to look up his odds. I'm going to add, uh, add Harold Varner at 70 to one. Those are my three outrights. And Joel, just so you know, I don't, uh, when these, when I pick these outrights, uh, pre-flop, uh, trademark Gil Alexander at beating the book. When, when I do that, I, uh, I don't pick 30 to one or lower. I always go kind of like long shot-ish. Any of those guys jump out at you uh, other than Norlander? You, you like Luke listed 100 to one or Varner at 70? So I like that you guys brought me into this segment. However, got Cover my own butt. I wasn't prepared, so I don't have the lines ready when I give these these plays. However, um, one play I really obviously like is Norland. I already talked about that. But the other play that I really like is Varner, but first round. So if you look, he has a lot of really good first round scores. He's he comes out hot again. Like I said, this is his home course. He's got familiarity with it. He won't be nervous playing this course like other guys like their first round. They want to get a lay of the land. He's going to come out firing. I love the first round leader for Varner because I think the stars kind of aligned for him this week for that. Um, so I, I haven't yet, but I probably will put a, a nice bet on that as well uh, for him to come out to league. Cause it's also the most fun thing to bet on is the first little, let's win some money on day one and go into the weekend. Um, another one I like, it's a safer bet. It's not something like I normally when betting on golf, I'm like, you see like, give me the long shots. Let me find something I can hit on. I'm not going to put a lot of money on it. Maybe I can win big. Right. But one, I think if you can basically get even money. I think it's minus 125 on Simpson to finish in the top 20. I can't see him not finishing in the top 20. In this field, it's like there's maybe five guys that even can be said in the same sentence as him. Um, and so, like, I, I don't I – mean, unless he somehow blows up and doesn't make the cut, I, I just think it's a lock. So I'm putting a sizable wager on Simpson to get in the top 20. as like a – like, it's more fun to bet on top five or top ten because you get the odds. But I like winning. And I think top 20 is like, even if something bad happens on a call, I can't see him falling out of the top 20. Uh, so that's where I'm going to really, I'm going to put a, a nice hammer on that one uh, and uh, hopefully come out of, of this weekend with some money and the plus. So yeah, I just uh, help me again with that math. Luke list at a hundred to one. What is a $74 bet on that? <laughs> it's uh, a lot of money. Also, Woo! Let's go. You guys convinced me. Luke list at a hundred to one. Let's go everybody. Um, um, love it. Keep going. What do you got? So first round leader, I, I actually had, as I, as we were doing the show, I had Varner written down. He's 66 to one. So I love that for the, all the reasons you gave. 
And the other guys I like is first round lead. Oh, by the way, I have an outright I already at the beginning of the show on Christian Bizet Newt. So that's 66 to one. I already have that. So add that to the Norlander and Luke List outrights as far as long shots. And first round leader, Ryan Moore, 55 to one. Tom Lewis, 66 to one. Harold Varner, 66 to one. Kyle Stanley at 80 to one. And Jonathan Vegas at 90 to one. Those are your first round leaders. Love it. I really like the Vegas one. I'm going to get on that as well. Nice. You convinced nice. me. You said, it. you said it, so I'm in. Let's go. Joel's kind of Joel's kind of playing with some funny money right now. I think so. I think you know what the hell? Why not? We're gonna we're gonna be here. We might as well have some fun. Uh, so yeah, Joel, you put like seven hundred and forty dollars on all these bets that I'm putting seventy four on, and we can <laughs> we can take it to the bank. Um, this has been a lot of fun. Again, a little longer than normal, but that's a hundred percent on me because I did a terrible job moderating because I was watching a hockey game the entire time, which was incredible for anybody that didn't watch it. I I apologize. Playoff hockey, there's literally nothing like it. But we do, Joel, you said you like college football. So if you want to stick around, you're more than welcome. We kind of have to touch upon that for a second because uh, C and I always have to talk about football in some capacity. We already got the RG3 thing in. So, Mr. G3, if you're listening, $9,000 to the RG3 Foundation, $4,500 from me, Sia, and Jason. I'm sure really at this point we could probably tack Joel into that. And then uh, a matching <laughs> grant by uh, Mr. Chris Cody over at ESPN, who hasn't been in here today. A little disappointed. He hasn't come hung out for the show. Yeah, Chris, where are you, buddy? Are you lurking? Yeah. Normally he like pops in around yeah, like 9 15 or something. Hey guys, I'm here. Okay, bye. Um, but so let's talk about this college football thing. It, it came out yesterday that it was a foregone conclusion the Big Ten was going to cancel their season and the Pac 12 was going to be right behind. They kind of announced it as if it did happen, and then it finally took all the way till about 3, 3.30 today for it to actually happen. The Big Ten did come out. They said they are postponing their fall sports until I think they canceled their seasons. Pac-12 came out and said nothing will be played until at least January. Super disappointing, but again, if they can't do it in a safe way, they're not paying these athletes. A lot of liability involved if anything bad happens, um, so there's a lot of BS. See, so yeah, I mean this was almost kind of a foregone conclusion. We kind of saw the writing on the wall here, but how do you think that this may, I mean, how do you think this affects college football? And then how do you think this might actually end up affecting the NFL? If any, if any at all. Yeah. I don't really think it affects the NFL outside of, you know, logistical nightmares with the the NFL draft next year and and things of that nature. And like, you know, the, the player pool to pick from, but the, the question of how it affects college football to me is almost secondary because it affects so much more than college football. So one thing we really need to consider is like a lot of people are, are going to say to themselves, well, it's just football. It's just a game. By the way, that's true. But the people who live in that town, that small town where, where that college football is played, the people who sell concessions at the, at the stadium, there are so many people, restaurant owners post game that are getting all of this revenue, there are bars, there are so many people that are affected. It's like sort of like a domino ripple effect that really goes out way broader than people think. So I'm not saying anybody did the wrong or the right thing. I mean, obviously, this is a really tough situation and people are going to err on the side of caution. And that, by the way, totally makes sense. But when you reduce it to, oh, they can just postpone college football, like don't don't worry about that, it's just a game. You have to understand that you are looking at it from such a narrow viewpoint. Mm-hmm. You are not appreciating the fact that there, there are these people that are living 
paycheck to paycheck, if not small debt to bigger debt as each week goes by or each pay period goes by. So those people are really affected too. So when you're kind of evaluating all this, please include those people because they are just as affected, if not more than the actual college football players themselves, who, by the way, aren't going to get a chance to showcase them, showcase themselves like a guy like Joe Burrow did. You know, Joe Burrow wouldn't be on anybody's radar if he didn't have this one great season at LSU. FYI, that's a point I, I stole from talk radio earlier today. It's not one I just created. So I, I want to get that out of the way. But it's really true, whether it's Joe Burrow or somebody else. The, a lot of these guys aren't going to get that NFL opportunity because nobody will have ever seen them before. And so I uh, kind of agree with what's happening, but I just think the results are more devastating than people think. It's it's super disappointing. Joel, I'll get to you in just one second. I just want to you know uh, uh, talk to Sia's point. I mean, you, as you said, yes, the Joe the Joe Burrow effect is 100% real. So if you did steal that from Gil, let's tag him and let him know that you were listening to his show today. But um, it, was Gil or, it was either Gil or Colin Cowherd. I can't remember uh, which one. Hopefully I wish I could Gil. give Gil credit for that. It's usually Gil, yeah, so it's probably Gil. Hopefully it was Gil. Um, but no, I mean, it, it. you are 100% true. The only thing I would say to that is nobody was probably going to be allowed into those bars or restaurants anyway, which is already a, a huge detriment and it already sucks and it's already going to affect. And then we're seeing places like Nebraska that are pretty much giving the middle finger to the Big Ten and saying, hey, SEC, like, we'll come play with you guys for a season. Like, it's totally fine. So I'm really curious about that. But Joel, what uh, what do you think about the situation? It sucks, but we're here. Yeah, it sucks. I think you're 100% right. It extends way further than just the football players and things like that. I think the points he made is spot on with uh, it affects the individuals, right? There's guys who like, listen, you don't forget, these are 19, 20 year olds, right? Think how much you've developed and changed from an 18 year old to a 19 year old like Joe Burrow did, right? He matured and became an NFL player. He wasn't one at 19. There's guys that will now maybe could have become NFL players that will never get that opportunity because they never had a chance to showcase that. On the other side of the coin, like what happened here with quarantine with me, right? I was just so bored. I started betting on golf and now I've made <laughs> a lot of money, right? But that's really what happened. I had nothing else to do and I started betting on golf. But my point is the reason I'm saying that is with quarantine, like we can't leave the house. There's only so much Netflix you can watch, right? Live sports is something to look forward to. It's something for everybody who's sitting at home, banging their head against the wall, not doing anything to say like, I can't wait for this next big college football game. My alma mater is playing in a huge game tonight. We talk about it. People come on radio shows to talk about it. People tune in to listen about it. Sports Center talks about it. All of that gets eliminated. It's depressing, right? How, how boring did quarantine get in the beginning when there was no sports? Now that golf's back, now basketball is back, it's better, right? It's not as just dull. Um, and it's a, it's a slippery slope now because once college some college conferences start canceling, it's going to be more likely that other t- people follow suit. And to be honest with you, I am worried about the NFL. I mean, look at baseball. Baseball is kind of like questionable. Like, if they have another couple of outbreaks, I'm not sure if they'll finish the baseball season. Uh, the NBA is doing it really smartly. I think the NBA is fine. They're probably going to finish. They, they have seems to have things under control. But if the NFL is traveling around to different cities and not in a bubble and an outbreak happens, the season can get canceled. And then we have nothing. And it's boring again. Yes, it's selfish. And what matters more is the health of the players. And that's 100% obvious. But for selfish reasons, it sucks. And I'm, I'm annoyed by it. I, I mean, I completely agree with you, man. I mean, obviously, we want this to be safe and healthy for all the players. And it's, again, a little different with the NFL because all these players can opt out and they can pull home 150K. Obviously, for college, 
that's not the case. Um, now, I'm not going to get into the debate. Are they getting paid? Are they not? Yes, they get scholarships. And I'm very confident Nick Saban owns a dealership in Tuscaloosa, Alabama, where some, you know, some some kids just drive away in really nice cars. But I'm not here to debate that fact. That's not a fact that I want to talk about, whether it is true fact or a, a really true fact. But the point is, yeah, it, it is disappointing. And I completely agree with you, Joel, man. Like, it sucks. I was so bored during quarantine with no sports like yes i'm selfish if these guys are willing to play i'm willing to like that's the thing like i i kind of agree with them shutting it down and the way they shut it down because they were doing a bullshit job at trying to affect it i think 37 players on lsu tested positive now is that going to be a bad thing for most of them no for some of them potentially for some of their grandparents and their parents yes that could be a huge huge problem um and we all know i mean i didn't live in a frat but i went to a couple frat houses Man, that thing is going to spread like wildfire when college comes back. So it's going to be gross. It's going to be disgusting, but I'd probably do it again. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's depressing. It's disappointing. I was excited to just tail Joel all season for college football because, goddamn, you are hot. But um, yeah, I mean, it is what it is. It is what it is. Anything else from, from either of you guys? I mean, that's like the biggest news of the day. I am really excited. If we get like this weird-ass like conglomerate, of uh conferences you know the sec just kind of double middle fingers to everybody the big 12 the same thing the acc surprising they're all based out of the south nothing wrong with that just kind of saying things how cool (laughs) would that be right like ohio state just comes out and they're like nah we're playing oklahoma and we're playing bama and we're playing clemson this i am a hundred i will watch all of those games so does that make me a hypocrite does that make me a bad person i don't think so right like uh, i don't know well, first of all, if that were to happen, and let's say some of the Big Ten, a lot of the Big 12, and a lot of the SEC, and maybe a couple other like straggler schools got into this big or like three different like yeah. m- mini conference, you know, whatever it was, however they set it up, that would be pretty exciting on multiple levels. But but also it would be kind of a realistic showcase of the top teams in the country because mm-hmm. because it's not like you could do it's not like if you did that and you had a national championship that you'd be like, oh, yeah, but they didn't have to play, you know, yeah. some like ragtag team that, that that is like it would be most of the good teams in the country outside of maybe one or two teams that usually show up in the Pac-12 and one or two teams that might not be playing in the Big Ten. Outside of that, like all the legitimate teams would probably be in the dance, so to speak. So, I mean, I, I, I agree with you. I think it would be exciting. And I think I don't think there would be much of an asterisk to it. Premier League. Get the top 12 teams, let them all play each other. Let's go. What do you got, Joel? Joel, what do you think? I think that I think that could actually have longer-term implications than we're even thinking of, right? Because if that's successful, I think we're going to be gone. Like, do, one, do we need to watch Alabama play McNeese State, right, and beat the poop out of them and have all those kids get hurt and win 74-7? Like, I, that's not good for anybody. It's not even good for Alabama players who have to – they risk getting hurt too. It's good for McNeese State though, because they're yeah. getting money for playing Alabama. That's the only reason those games. Yeah. But but no, I yeah. do see your I do see your point on that. I, I I totally agree with your your initial point. Yes, but and then again, selfish of me, but my point also to go back on that is who cares about McNeese State getting the extra money, right? That's we don't watch college football for McNeese State to get some money. We watch college football to watch Alabama, Clemson, Michigan, Ohio State. Right? That's what we're here for. Those the, that's what the money makers are, and we can get them all in one place. Then there's this. What's going to happen next, right? What's gonna, there's going to be fantasy football college because all the teams are playing each other, and then we're all going to start playing that, and then it's going to be marketed further, and then there's going to be more betting on it, right? And then there's going to be more people playing DraftKings because all the guys are in the same pool, and we have more data to use. I think it's just going to lead to like something that's more normalized, 
in college? Because I think I just don't see in 30 years from now the college football structure that we're accustomed to continuing to be the case. We've already got a playoff, which is new. I think we're going to continue to get to a point where the top schools are going to be more in their own bracket and the other schools are going to kind of shift in the back because that just makes sense. And that's what we all want to watch anyway. Yeah. Honestly, I threw up the deuces because I thought you were going to say NCAA, see you later. I mean, if if that happens, legitimately, the NCAA has zero power at that point because whatever they say, nobody cares anymore. We already <laughs> are starting to get to the point where we don't care about them. And if they just kind of create this like conglomerate of conferences and then players from teams that aren't playing just kind of like, I'm going to go play over here. And the NCAA is like, no, you can't. And Alabama's like, no, they're just going to come play. Like the NCAA <laughs> will have zero freaking power. It's ridiculous. Well, if you've noticed, if you've noticed, they so the NCAA has been very harsh on like we're never allow players to get paid, and they've loosened that recently. And I think it's that because of that reason. It's like, 100%. well, we either loosen on those terms or we're going to start losing teams and players and revenue. And they realize that they they have a monopoly. They're making all this money and eventually it's going to give. And that's why they're allowing them to now get some money on advertisements. Well, that's going to continue to shift because somebody like you said, Michael is going to come in and have an alternative option. And when that option arises, the NCAA has no power. No power. Awesome. Um, Gentlemen, this was absolutely fantastic. Ran a little long again, but it was so much fun. The lightning won in quadruple. No, quintuple overtime we had a lot of great dfs picks we have a 74 dollar bet on mr norlander which is going to net me i don't know like a million dollars it sounds like at this point at least that's what i've built it out to be i've honestly already cashed that check so i'm very excited but see uh, where can everybody find you on the internet at sia najad s-i-a-n-e-j-a-d yeah we didn't piss off any fan bases this week do you want to just say hmm. slander somebody uh yeah sure uh josh allen is not good at throwing footballs We've done that one so many times oh sia oh, will sorry. be on the radio tomorrow oh, right. night wednesday tomorrow night. night right uh philly uh fox sports radio in philadelphia the gambler with our good friend john jansen at jay jansen i think on twitter jay jansen maybe a couple numbers after that super good dude i was on there called mike trout's home run it was Jason's pick, but I'm taking credit for it. Um, so C is going to have some great golf picks there. So might have some updated information. Joel, where can everybody find you on the internet? You can find me at Draftmaster Flex on uh, Twitter and Instagram. And real quick, while we're slandering people, uh, the Eagles don't have anyone that can catch the ball. They're better off signing me to play wide receiver. They stink. Did, He's not wrong. He's not wrong. You know, did you know that C and I hate Philadelphia? <laughs> They're the worst. This guy's pandering to us. It was just kind it. of like, yeah, it was just kind of a, uh, Joel was just assuming <laughs> that we hated Philadelphia. And I actually appreciate that more about him. Yes. Uh, at Michael Raziel one, Carson Wentz is already broken. There, I said it. $124 million, completely useless. For everybody over here at Windaily Sports, again, windailysports.com backslash learn daily, three days free, all the articles, all the projections, all the expert Discord chat with Joel, with Sia, with all our friends, Antonio, Patrick, Isaiah, Nick just kind of is in there sometimes because he likes it. Uh, Sicily Kid, of course. Look out for those articles that are coming. And we all hope you make it a very, very profitable night. (laughs) 